This episode is sponsored by Better Help. What is the first thing that you would do if you had an extra hour in your life? Oh, the first thing I just thought was, oh, I'm going to need more than an hour to fit that stuff in. But I, the fact is, a lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. I know that is for me. That's a big thing, uh, especially as you get older. <laughs> um, and the question, you know, time for what? What would you do? Would it actually make you feel better? What is it that you feel you're missing? In order, you know, that that would make it better. Um, and and one of the ways to sort of help figure out that out is, is therapy. It can help you find out what matters most to you so you can do more of it or focus on what it is that you're spending your time on that that maybe isn't giving you that that sort of fulfilling experience. Um, and it's interesting because a lot of times people talk about therapy or they talk about mental health or they, it's about uh, trauma or it is about, you know, like like a, a great amount of pain or anything. And those things are all very valid and everything. But also, you know, in some ways there's stumbling blocks. Uh, there is sort of a, a, something indefinable that you're having a hard time getting to that maybe is stopping you from feeling as confident as you can, as good as you can. And, you know, therapy uh, is, is one way to go after that. If you are thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online, is designed to, be, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. You fill out a brief questionnaire, you'll get matched with a licensed therapist. You may switch therapists at any time you like for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 381, brought to you by Appleseed Comic Con and iFanboy listeners like you. Welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 381. My name is Paul Montgomery. Joining me this week, for once, the original team, Josh Flanagan. Hi. And Connor Kilpatrick. Hey, hello. That's... <laughs> Drunken surprise. All <laughs> right. <laughs> you, were, you were sleeping with a martini in one hand. <laughs> and we're Scooby-Doo at the same time. At iFanboy.com, we like comics, and we read comics, and every week we read a bunch of comics, and then one of us picks our nose at picks the best books and writes about it on the website and then we talk about it on this here podcast along with various other topics of interest before we get to the show quick reminder slash warning this is a review show and we will be talking about the things that happen in this week's books so if you are worried about spoilers just leave go away we don't want you we don't want you we really don't and that's what we've been trying to say for the last seven eight years that's the message of the show that's what we're all about it's not wanting you (laughs) I'm not going to make any jokes this week, guys. I'm going to play this one straight. Okay. See how this lasts. This week, Connor had the pick. You know, this was a week with a lot of books, but it was a week where the the reading time was fast because I thought it was a wonderful week. There was 
at least five or six great books, I thought. Uh, books I, I really agree. enjoyed. Uh, but the one that I enjoyed the most and therefore was the pick of the week was Batman 19 from Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo, James Tinney IV, Alex Maleev, new inker Danny Mickey, and that motorcycle outside. Um, <laughs> I thought a boom tube opened up. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I really thought that. That wasn't a joke. <laughs> um, so this was the first part of a two-part Clayface story. And what really I loved about this issue, not just the talent involved in the construction and the story, but that in a world where, in a world where <laughs> it's just constant comic book events or big, big, quote, important stories, this was just a two-part, or so far, a two-part Batman story. Batman fighting a villain. You're saying it was and a it was, non-event. Is what and it was saying. hard to write the review and not sound dismissive in my praise where i would say like this was just a little nice little story this is a backhanded which, compliment, which sounds like a backhanded compliment but it actually was the greatest strength of the book in that you know this is where we are now in the world of superhero comics from marvel and dc is that it's just a constant string of important and it gets a little tiring i've been wanting to green, read green lantern forever but it's been a one long five-year streak of giant space epic stories that one leads right into the next and i just want to read theoretically it's part of an event it's part of dc comics what the what they got rid of covers event yeah that's true pull the plug on it but it's just a story and i liked that aspect of it i like the idea it was just you know there was a mystery batman had to solve it he had to punch a supervillain, and there's a thing going on there's not some grand thing happening in the background there's not uh crossovers it's just batman fighting a villain And, and it's funny that that kind of thing seems refreshing but it is because it doesn't happen that much anymore, especially in these big books. I mean, there's, there's stories like that in other books, but they tend to go for six chapters and it just feels much bigger than, than it is. Mm. And I like that a lot. And besides the fact that, you know, this was a w- really well done story in and mm. of itself. A nice, subtle, you know, approach to that this is a post Damian Wayne story and there's a little callback to Damian Wayne here. And, but it's, it's, it's not overplayed. It's not super maudlin as some of or in, in, insane, like another one that came out this week. Right, <laughs> right. Uh, um, I would go past Maudlin to Crazy Town for that one. Yeah, but I want to hear about that one. Batman and Robin. So, uh, one thing I was afraid of in the death of Damien was that we would just be lost in this morass of, you know, anger and and rage and grief, which would all be justified from a character standpoint. But from my reader standpoint, I just I just don't want to read any of that stuff. Mm. So I was I like the fact that. While it was alluded to, and as you said, it was alluded to more subtly than in other books. And to the point that when I was reading it, I was like, "Oh, did he write this before? Like that was a you know a thing?" And it just happens to have a Damian Wayne scene in here. And but then it, it it becomes clear, and it's it you know that. But then they move on to other things. So that was that was very nice. And you mentioned in the review, new inker on this one. Yep. So it's a little bit different look. Danny Mickey's the new inker. He took over Jonathan Glapian and. It's a much cleaner looking book than it was before. Mm-hmm. Uh, Glapian had more of a rougher ink style, and I actually quite liked it—the old style more than the new style. I, you know, it looks really good. You know, it doesn't change the fact that Capullo is a great penciler, and it's you know the layouts are still there, the dynamic action still there. It just it's just a little cleaner than it was before. Did you notice that at all, or did you? I did. did you, yeah, I, I, I didn't. I don't think I ascribed it to anything, but I actually agree with you. I I like it with more lines. Yeah, <laughs> basically. And on a Clayface story, that would kind of be nice. Even I mean, he's really grungy looking. On the, you know, on the other hand, though, this way but. It, it actually fits because I think the thing that I noticed about this story, I was like, this is just a straight up Batman story. 
Yep. Like, and I've never seen Scott Snyder do that. Mm-hmm. Like, all of his stories are 15 issues long and, you know, just real big and heavy. And, and that's not what's going on here. So, in a way, it's a bit, it's a bit of a visual indicator that a different thing is happening. Mm-hmm. That's sort of how I took it. That's true. When he's when he's done sort of standalone issues or two part issue things, like it's it's from the point of view of another character. Mm-hmm. So right, the Harper Row issue, the Harper Row stuff. Yeah, that's. I mean, that uh, of late, that's what he's been doing. But but with this, so this is nice. And and you know, he's a he's a fan, obviously, of of Batman the animated series, and that's what this sort of feels like. And I think we're gonna we're gonna talk about that a little bit later with another Batman book that that mm-hmm. very much uh, harken back to that era. So a lot of us have nostalgia for that, and I think for good reason that. There's a Paul Dini style of storytelling that is very refreshing and and goes against the grain of the big like 15 issue and you know an event tie-in stories. That was so. one hell of a great detective run, is what that was. Yeah, mm-hmm. and also mm-hmm. worth mentioning is the backup story from uh, James Tinney the Fourth and Alex Maleev, which is also just sort of a Batman story. It it leads a little bit more into the Damian Wayne grief in that Superman comes to visit to see how Bruce is doing after the death, death of his son and they. You know, he doesn't want to deal with it, and so instead they go to investigate a crime that involves the supernatural, which Superman is not good at handling. So I, th- I thought that was also fun. And, I, and as someone mentioned on the site, it was a really interesting way to handle Superman's weakness towards supernatural, which is hasn't it, been... Is it wrong that I read that the same way that when uh, on that episode of Seinfeld where Jerry cries for the first time? He's like, <laughs> what is this salty discharge? <laughs> so Superman's like, something's pressing on my belly. I it doesn't feel right. <laughs> that's how I read Superman. I don't know if that's like like Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that works. That works for you. Confused Seinfeld. It was a story that worked in tone with Maliev's art, sort of a darker and shat- more shadowy story. And I thought Maliev did a great job here. It was his more penciled style rather than his more photoshopped style. And I liked that. I liked them both as just that, Batman stories. They worked really well for me. That first page of the backup was I was like Gotham Central. <laughs> look, yeah. at, look at it. I mean. Yeah. And I and I also like that this is a return to uh, Tinian's backup being like a serial more than character portraits, which I don't, I, I like a character portrait, but um, I think this is I'm I'm more compelled to read you know the next chapter of this than I was with the death of the family stuff. Right. So this is good. This is fun. This was a throwback in a way to when when comics just told short stories sometimes, and and uh, it was refreshing. And there was lots of great books this week. Some of them were in the midst of big epic stories, but. You know, I was thinking about it as I was reading this. I don't really get these kind of Batman stories anymore, oh, yeah. at least at full of this level, and I was really nice to read them. So that's why it was pick of the week. Great, it was yeah. a great job by all involved. Now, um, a book that was very close to being pick of the week was Uncanny Avengers number six. There's, and there's about four books that were close to being pick of the week. Yeah. We're going to talk about I, most, I of them, if not all of them. But this was the first issue for new artist Daniel Acuna. Acuna, however you say it with the accent, I don't know. The second way is right with a little Acuna. This was more focusing more tightly on Thor, but reading this back to back with the Thor book, which I did, made for a delightful good thirty minutes spent with. Uh, oh yeah, uh, Thor week. Um, it's great. This this was, I, I feel like if you know I want Jason Aaron to continue on with Thor for years and years and years, but if he ever gets tired of it, uh, Rick Remender does a really good Thor. I think he, I think he has the voice down, and and he does a kind of Thor that that I like a lot. And this I, I referred to earlier as this is like all of the ingredients in my perfect like Marvel steam pot. This has like a, a lot of my favorite Marvel things. So we've got Apocalypse. Who even though I've, I'm not traditionally an X Men guy, I've always sort of liked Apocalypse, and and it's got Thor and Kang. It's got Kang. It's yeah. got Kang, Kang's. and some really 
creepy looking four horsemen of a different era, and that's always kind of fun. Quickly dispatched by Thor and his giant axe. Yeah, and it's young, a it's it's young. a young yeah <laughs> young, young young Thor. Young a lot of time travel, a lot of zipping back and forth, and um, this is this this arc is for me. This, this feels like a I, gift for I, it's me. It's funny. This doesn't feel at all. This is not a complaint. I just want to put right. that out. This does not feel at all like the previous arc. No, no, it doesn't. Not not one single. Bit. Not uh, remotely. And and I like Acuna a lot. This version of him that he's doing here feels mm-hmm. very different than I think the last stuff that I saw from him. In a yeah, it's way. not it's not quite as painted. Yeah, it's neat. I really liked it a lot. I thought the I thought the acting was stronger. It feels a little less less detached, I suppose, than some of the other stuff had in the past. That when I first got to know him on like Green Green Lantern and stuff like that, mm-hmm. that stuff was a little painterly. It was a little stiff. And this one, I see a lot more acting. I see a lot more storytelling going on. And because he's doing this story with sort of you know old timey Thor and the Norsemen, like you can kind of he can he can kind of amp up the melodrama of it quite a bit which is real fun paul did you did you have a problem with that this issue because there, there was a lot more third person narration in this one than there was in the last one which i know you've had a problem with in the past it felt really natural here mm-hmm. sometimes it's it's it feels shoehorned in like it, it comes it flies in from out of nowhere and but I, I think this all felt very organic to me um i like there's a there's a, a nice bit of kirby crackle in here so it's it's got that going for it. i really liked the uh, ancestor of logan character mm-hmm. in here oh, yeah. the, 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 the conversation between these like roman sentries uh you know up guarding uh, like a gateway and then that, that's when the four horsemen come in and thor dispatches them very quickly and and after that there's a wonderful moment that could be cringe inducing but was written very well with the callback to wolverine's famous catchphrase yeah it's just i think if any book in the marvel universe is going to work in that bombastic 80s claremont third person narration style it's this one and i think that's the fact that it embraces it gloriously yeah. and tells, tells these giant, over-the-top, cosmic stories with these characters works really well in its favor. It makes it one of my favorite books. I, uh, I like the idea of, of Apocalypse in a meat hall and, right. and again, getting in a bar brawl with, with young Thor and then you know, Odin having to come in after him and like, Dad, what are you doing in here? Yeah, it was so. good. And similarly, Thor got a thunder staying in the Thor vein, number seven, all, also almost pick of the week. Jason Aaron, Isad Rebic, telling the next tale of Thor versus the God Butcher. And honestly, just have Thor hang out with his other selves. Yeah. For issues and issues because it's fantastic. Because this issue is now, it's young Thor has been brought in and he's helping reluctantly to build Gore's God Bomb. It's like a big, like, like anti-God Death Star kind of thing. And, uh, And then meanwhile... Present day Thor, Avenger yep. Thor, whatever is is hanging out with um, a, a very Odin esque old man Thor. My favorite character introduced in 2012, and <laughs> this is this was like the first really great showcase for him. Like we get to hang out with him more, and yep. the two of them talking about time travel and sort of grousing about their dad, who <laughs> you know, like now like Thor. Present day Thor views old man Thor as being very much like Odin and he's kind of upset that he ends up that way and old man Thor is very dismissive of of Odin and, and calls, you know, the Odin force the Thor force now. Does he take the Thor sleep? <laughs> he must. He must. I assume. I don't well actually I don't know if he has time for it these days with all the black berserkers coming in and Messing up. My favorite bit in the, in the issue was the the big secret room that Thor was never allowed to go into. Yes. Which finally gets to go into, and he opens it up as a giant room full of ale and other and other elderberry wine. 
other wines and and beers and yeah, uh, you imagine it to be like this library or something with you know secret texts or whatever, a meditation room or something where Odin you know got all this great knowledge and it's just you know it's <laughs> it's the booze room. <laughs> he just he just writes a great Thor, no matter what the age is. I love the I love the brash, impetuous, you know, reckless young Thor. I love the I mean the classic Avengers Thor. I love the old man Thor. They're just they're all great characters and uh, you know. Isad Ribic, when he's on this oh, book, is just wonderful. It's just stunning. The whole thing is is gorgeous to look at. This is one of his best issues, I think. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of detail to it. Um, sometimes they're like uh, the art is a little sparse in some of his issues in the previous arc. Not a lot of background detail here. There's a lot of it. A lot of interesting angles. Yeah, it's just when the two Thors are in that boat at the end, and old Thor holds up the ha- hammer to us really closely, and just all the cracks and holes in, in Mjolnir, and it's just. You know, just fist pumping. It's a great book. The Last Ride of the Gods of Thunder. I, I'm so excited. <laughs> it is really one of the it's, best books. It's all, it's all coming together. I'm, I'm very excited. Now, the, a book came out this week. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. Uh, it's called Saga, number 12. Which? just It's an image book. And, um, I, you, I, don't, you, I don't believe I've ever heard of that. that you can occasionally get it digitally at times. For some reason, I think that's not correct from something I heard. Okay. I well, I don't know. I, 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 have I feel like I should be mad videos. about it. Should I be mad about it? I, I'm not sure. But if you are, <laughs> I don't know at whom. Saga number 12, I'll be honest with you guys. This is the first issue where I thought maybe I should switch to trades on it. This is the one I found probably the most unsatisfying in terms of just story. I liked it. And again, the worst issue of Saga is, is still probably a four, three and a half, four. But I actually, I really like this structurally. Um, and I like the shift that it's not centered on what's their faces, Alana and Marco and the baby and their and their family. It's they they don't even show up until the last panel, and it's a nice little cliffhanger. Uh, this this is the long uh, awaited return of Prince Robot the Fourth, and it opens with a really harrowing scene of war. This was his uh, Hans. What's his name? Uh, Christoph Gruber. No, that's exactly what I, you're talking about from uh, *Inglorious Bastards*. Yeah, 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 that's exactly what I I, I that's, thought that's when exactly I read that. That's exactly what this is, with a little bit of backstory in the beginning. And he goes in, he sits down, and he, he has this conversation, and they they share a drink together, and then you know your Anne Frank moment at the end. And yeah. uh, uh, no, yeah, you, I, like, I found it very satisfying. I liked it very much. Yeah, it's the opening scene of *Inglorious Bastards* where you have this sort of Landa. huh? Hans Landa. Yeah, yeah. You have you have this scene of sort of bargaining between him and this character with with this. They're making pleasantries towards each other. He's talking to the Cyclops alien who wrote the subversive texts, promoting pacifism and and it being against you know this this war between the two races that Alana and Marco come from. And it's all they're just it's a lot of stuff on the surface, but boiling underneath. And it and that's great because Prince Robot the Fourth doesn't have a face so it's all through you know the way he holds his body the way you know he tilts his head and stuff like that and he's so good at that she really yeah. is i mean yeah. it's just it's and i think that's why those scenes i think they were written really well and there was a lot of tension there and it, it didn't normally that's not the kind of thing that that works very well in comic books but uh i was wrapped i was like what's happening here because yeah and also we're hanging with it for such a long time that it must all mean something yeah and then also like the other guy in the scene has one eye so it's you know, it's it's a lot of different handicaps on expression and how these people are talking to each other. And to have a multi-layered conversation like this where it's all subtext 
to to give to give her just one more bit of credit, that little uh, weird seal thing in the yellow overalls. Yeah. The acting that she put on his face in a couple of those panels, one where he's like, "Are you lady folk?" and he's got his eyes narrowed and, and just sort of anthropomorphizing an animal face. That's I just I, I love that kind of that's cartoony. That's just the other thing with and this might be a BKV thing and not necessarily a Fiona Staples thing is looking at that character. I'm waiting for something horrible to happen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Agreed. Yep. Right, like you see something that cute, something awful is going. Well, to the first scene, the first scene sets up that expectation up. I mean, you know, yeah, it's you, either it's either something horrible is going to happen to him, or it's going to turn into something really terrible. You know, like like he unhinges his jaw and. Let me let me ask you now. The the center of this thing that happened has to do with the images on on Prince Robot's face while he's knocked out. Mm-hmm. Right, I have no idea what that's supposed to. The be. dirty sex images. Yeah. Yeah. I assume that's what he's thinking about while he's knocked out. I guess that like that's his subconscious thought process and that shows up on your face screen when you're Which you would think is make would make general life very difficult. I would <laughs> I would definitely think so. Either yeah, that so or he's it, he's getting some signal from some faraway planet. Yeah, is it is it a signal? Is it is or is he is he projecting something consciously or subconsciously? Because in the in the next scene in the bed on the screen is the memory he's having while he's sleeping. That's so the, no, maybe the, the caller ID, the S no, secret intelligence call. No, no, no. Before that, right? Okay. Oh, before right that, above yeah. that is, is his bloody body oh, from right. the scene, from the memory. So maybe the, their dreams show up on the TV screen, which would mean that's what he's dreaming about. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. I mean, we've all had exper- dreams <laughs> where. Well, we, 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 we've already seen him have erectile dysfunction with his wife. There's so a lot going on. yeah. Well, I, I, I can't imagine that it is without. That it won't have some sort of payoff. There's always. He I was uncomfortable with that. Brian K. Vaughn doesn't doesn't usually do things without meaning to do them. I just think that's a very just a very fascinating like 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 daring choice to have a really prominent character with no face and it's just it's a TV screen and to do that kind of stuff too, like it's something that we're go- we're going to learn over time what that means and how it all works. No, but that's tough and she and she makes it work though. So uh, on the same uh, line of of books that may not always be available when you want them. It's the After Dark episode of uh, I Family. Sex Number Two doing? came out, and uh, I liked the first issue just fine, but I think that the second issue is where I figured out what this was to me, and I, I really enjoyed it a lot. What is it to you? It's this guy, and he was a superhero, and he, he didn't live his life at all. He's completely repressed. I mean, they tell you that he's repressed in the beginning, but he's just trying to figure out what it is about the next part of his life, all that stuff that people usually figure out in their teens and 20s. He's got no idea how to do it. And I like that. It's not that it hasn't been done because it's the kind of thing that... that well, like, it's Batman. It I mean, is. It, yeah, no, it totally Batman. is. But it's the kind of thing that Grant Morrison and Alan Moore have been talking about for decades. But it's just Joe, you know, Joe Casey, who's, who's sort of a acolyte slash peer of those guys, to doing his take on it. And he's a really good guy to do that. Yeah. And, and then ha- to have it done in this style that is... Just so reminiscent of comics from a slightly different era. This feels this feels like an early '90s comic. It looks like it's got that Dave Gibbons thing about it too, but it's just got yeah. not. And I don't mean to early '90s in sort of the pouch sense, but like the sort of serious comics at the time, the sort of way it's produced. I don't know how I've never heard of this artist, but he's it's really great, Peter Kowalski. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it it it's a very evocative art. No, I'm not even talking about sort of the sexual nature of it. It just it's conjuring up different eras of comics that's it's making me think about which is really interesting to me. It's a fun world. There are interesting characters. Mm-hmm. The setup's interesting. Everyone's, you don't really know where it's going or what's happening. 
uh, yet, but you just know that there's a lot of interesting characters. So similar to Saga, actually, than yeah. that. Yeah, well, we're getting we're getting more of the foundation of who this Simon Co character, you know, was, you know, when he was a superhero, and without going to flashback. I mean, we see like a, like a sidekick or someone that he worked with, younger guy on the motorbike. We see like this is Robin. Of the, his Robin, yeah, and like sort of the Catwoman in his life. We got a flashback. We saw the briefest glimpse of his costume, which I was I was surprised we got that much. I was too. And yeah, I like it. I like it quite a bit. I wasn't even going to buy the first issue, but I did, and I'm happy I did. I think it's really interesting because what you're seeing is that if you wanted to take it a step further, you're, you're talking about writers. You're talking about a guy, you know, like Casey is a guy who spent the you know early part of his career writing about superheroes, and so now like that's the thing that he knows best. So instead, what he's doing is now writing about what comes after the superheroes, but in the context of the superheroes, it's very, it's interesting. Yeah. I've used that this, word too many times. Also, and not to, not to get into a religious discussion, but I, you know, I come from like a Roman Catholic school background through high school and everything. And so, and then to, to go into, you know, college and to not have that as a foundation, you know, and, you know, over the years, like, you know, le, you know, lessening on some of the things that I was really strict about. This is, this is a very interesting book to see someone who's, who's come into a world after, being this very kind of chaste, very he, he doesn't know what to do. He has no idea what to do. It's and the world it's very is much dark and scary. And, that's and, the, much, and the world keeps pushing stuff on him that yeah. he's not ready for. It's not. It's not just like he's trying to embrace things. He's trying to explore a little bit. But he's on Room Springer. But like this, yeah, exactly. But and like his, you know, he someone sent him like you know a prostitute to his house, to his condo, and he was. I am not feeling this at all. <laughs> this feels very much like an invasion, and so yeah. So it's. I, but I'd I'd be interested to see what his journey is, and if that changes or if he stays. He feels ready to snap, but that right. he you know could just be the way they're setting it up. But I, I really like it. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, guys, in about a month from now, on May 11th, don't miss out on one of the Midwest's best comic book conventions, Appleseed. It's hosted in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and Appleseed features over 100 creators. And there's a show dedicated to comics and the comic book community. You can go there and hang out with creators like Mike Norton and Paul Hornschmier. Is that correct? I, I, yes. Paul Hornschmier and Laura Ennis, or Laura Ennis, who was not on ER. Ryan Brown and many, 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 many more, over 100 of them. It's just $10 to get in the door. You can buy your tickets in advance with guarantees, like an exclusive 11 by 17 print by artist Dave Wachter. Check the guest lists, read the announcements, purchase tickets. You can do it all at AppleseedCon.com. That's just one month from now. So if you're in the Fort Wayne, Indiana driving area, go check it out. It's a great con. Go say hi to Mike Norton. He's one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Cool. I want to talk about some monkey brain comics. Theremin. Very good. Was that a ghost monkey? That was a theremin. And this one is by... Kurt Pyers and Dalton Rose, who I had not been familiar with previous to this, but they're just sort of starting out. And Theremin is sort of a sci-fi take on the life of the very real person, Leon Theremin, who might not have used time travel to kill Vladimir Lenin, but in this he does. Probably not. Probably not. I would just assume. But then how do we know? We don't know. I'm not comfortable making a ruling. That's the way time travel well, I works. Probably I use the qualifier. I'm not. I'm not putting a stake in the ground and saying he didn't. But 
This so. is um this is one of those books. It would it would feel very much at home in uh, in Image's current slate of uh, uh, science as the new rock and roll books, and of of those, I am a huge fan. So I gravitated towards this immediately when I when I looked at it. And it's, yeah, it's about the guy who created the theremin, but then it's like at the same time, he accidentally created or discovered time travel. And Lennon kind of got a peek at it and was like, this looks interesting. And apparently some bad things happened. And now Leon Theremin has to kill Lennon two or three times in the issue. And uh, he's, he's running away from assassins who jump out of the wall who were camouflaged by wallpaper. And it looks a bit like I think Lennon got, an, got a, a peek at some, some other technology from other eras and pulled it into that era. And so he's, there's a bit of anachronism going on. And it's become sort of this, uh, this great chase. And the art is beautiful. I'm hard-pressed to kind of describe it, but it's, it, it gets flat in a good way in certain areas and there's a wonderful painterly quality without it being static so this i would i would recommend and i'm, I'm very interested to see where it goes from here hawkeye number nine probably would have been my pick of the week mm-hmm. i i liked it an awful lot i'm glad it wasn't my pick of the week because i have nothing new to say about it right other than i really i thought this actually did a really good job of talking about clint's character as he exists now better than almost anything and in a way that actually even does fit in with the rest of the book he appears in Mm -hmm. uh specifically i think that the scenes with i think it's jessica drew right yeah yeah Yeah. spider woman Uh, when she just you know his secret power is his superpower is that he'll let you down right it's like oh that's that's killer you know, the, all it takes, and then it was like a surprise ending, which was also really well drawn. But all, uh, literally, David Ajo could just draw people talking to each other, mm-hmm. and it's okay. It does, it's not, they're not even varied. It's mostly just shots of torso and up, and most people, you can't get away with that. But Well, yeah. he's so good with the acting. This, uh, and I know it's, people hate when you say it, but this would make a great TV show. I know that Marvel TV is, just from knowing things, is looking for TV shows they can do on a super low budget, <laughs> and... This is a this is the kind of show you could do about a superhero, because well, it's not really about the superhero, but it is, but it isn't. And also, like the like, there's a villain at the end. Villain's terrifying, yeah. but you know you, you could you could do that. That's not that's yeah. not a monster. The strength of this book, other than David Aja, is that the characters are so wonderful, super strong, and it's and the the, the relationships are interesting and difficult. There's no he he has no simple relationships. Even his relationship with Kate is is bizarre. Yeah, it's, there's a great structure to the book where it introduces each of these four different w- women, really, who are in his life and then ha- and what they are. And so it's the ex-wife, the work wife in Black Widow, the ex-wife being um, Bobby uh, Mocking. Bobby Chase, yeah. Right, and then um, the, <laughs> the friend Wait, isn't girl. is Bobby Chase a real person? Bobby Chase, Bobby Morse. Thank you. Bobby Morse. Bobby Chase is an <laughs> um, How many Bobbies do you know? B-O-B-B-O-I's. Two. Not many. One and then the, one the friend girl being Spider-Woman, and I like the idea that they flipped it. It's not the girlfriend, it's the friend girl, because if things are really confusing right now. And then, um, and then Kate, who is the Kate in his life, which kind of perfectly explains it, because how do you describe that relationship? We don't know yet. And so it's, uh, I love the structure. That I will I, say I also, one thing. Yeah. I don't think that anybody knows what Black Widow is supposed to sound like. No. Because they yeah, certainly yeah. aren't writing her with any Russian left in her, her voice or speech. Which isn't necessarily that they should, but to me, I feel like it's supposed to be there. But she it should. Like that. Yeah. Even the cartoon in the first couple episodes had her speaking in a Russian accent and mm-hmm. just went away. 
Yeah. Can't be root for no Russians. Uh, now, Paul, will it surprise you to know that the Rocketeer Hollywood Horror number three was, was the second runner-up for Pick of the Week? Or the first runner-up, the second choice for Pick of the Week? It would not surprise me, no. All right, Josh, are you still on this? Or is it just me oh, and yeah, Paul? Yeah, oh, yeah. This had two great things about it. One, the reveal of the narrator that the narrator was Groucho Marx. Two, much more of Nick and Nora Charles. And this story hits right in my old Hollywood loving wheelhouse, like, which I know I supposed to have stopped saying years ago, but I'm bringing it back. I heard it coming. Uh, like, it hits right in. I was like, there he goes. <laughs> put a couple words in. Oh. It's, it's where I live. And uh, I just love everything about this. I love the fact that there's, they're, they're running around old Hollywood. There's a lot of guest stars from old, old, old actors. Nick and Nora Charles, the classic uh, detective duo, are playing a major role in it. There are great characters. And then the reveal of Groucho in the middle was just wonderful. Yeah. Now that, that's Gregory Peck? At the, at the party? Yeah, at the bar. Or is that Groucho? That's Groucho with no Oh, no, no, the bar, the narrator's Groucho. Okay, I'm sorry. You, yeah. I got it. Sorry. You're right. Yeah. That makes more sense. All right. The, there is a thing where I'm, I'm reading the book and I do get a sense of why are they allowed to write a book that's just for me and Connor? Like, <laughs> do other people enjoy this? Like, I did I, get that. I, I, I asked myself that question. <laughs> and so sometimes, like, even though I, that the, we would not be able to fund this book, just the two of us. Right. I mean, You're going to find like, that out real soon. <laughs> and then yeah. even though I enjoy it and and I, and I and I like that a lot and I think other people should like it too I do like I just feel guilty. <laughs> this should that, not be. This, you should not exist book page turn page turn. But also and just you know cameos aside I I like the story I like the fact that the Rocketeer had to use this sort of hashed together prototype rocket pack when he loses his original one and he can't really fly it it's really heavy and you know there's a lot of obstacles for him to overcome but it still shows he his heroism. Go gets a drink. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah let's, not, let's talk about heroism. <laughs> He's like, ah, I should drink. He takes the bus too because it's just it's too damn heavy. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's. A, I mean, this this book is funny more than anything. I love this book. I had a whole way to write this as a pick in my head, but I picked Batman. Speaking of Batman, Batman Little Gotham is the collection of the digital first stories from Dustin Gwynn and Derek Friedholz. Which is the sort of cutesy Batman. The art is wonderful. It's the yes, it is watercolor style. This might be the best that Gwyn's ever looked. I think. If I mean, look, I, I've, I've liked at, his work before. But. If you look at Gwyn's DeviantArt page, he sort of does these for fun a lot, and they're they're yeah. great. So you know, he's like sort of had those. I think they're easy for him, just like Scotty Young's baby covers. A couple of times done them in the Superman Batman book uh, a couple yeah. of years ago, but this is they're not quite babies. They're just a little, everybody's just kind of short and there's squat. There's a term. Chibi, I believe. That, yeah. I don't yeah. want to say it. Thank you. Right. <laughs> um, but it's very funny, very cute. There's two stories in here. One of them is about Halloween. One is about Thanksgiving and the Halloween story. Bruce has to teach Damien about Halloween and he tells him it's about getting candy. So Damien busts open a, can- a gumball machine and steals the candy and he has to learn it's not about that. He's got to go around trick-or-treating. It's just, it's fun and and then he rounds up all the supervillains and the good And then for Thanksgiving, there's a Thanksgiving Day parade, and you find out that Bruce Wayne has funded a Batman balloon. And yeah. um, there's like an, and you know, Thanksgiving, there's sort of an avian theme with the turkey. So, you know, it's a penguin story. Yeah. So I, these are so much fun. And I, I read these digitally. And so they're, they're chopped in like the square mm-hmm. um, pages. And they should print it that way, like in like sort of like a children's, like a, like a picture book kind right. of style. Is like the, horizontal. The, yeah, like the watercolor is just so beautiful, and it, it's it, it, these books are so colorful, and um, I think they're just by putting them in these single issues. I hope that they do something special with the way that they print them in a collection. Like and for big, you Stephanie Brown fans, she's on the cover. It's probably the only time you're going to see her as Batgirl. Well, they re they they recolor in the 
in the Halloween, yeah, in the in the Halloween issue, right? story. There's somebody dressed up as her, but they colored her hair. They origi- it w- originally it was a blonde Batgirl. Even though it's a kid dressing up as Batgirl, they were yeah. still afraid to have someone that even looked like Stephanie Brown. So they painted. But yet, she's right there on the cover, right there. So paranoid. Yeah, but there you go. It's really fun. This is a it great is. book for, for all ages. They do Lunar New Year's, too. They, they do all the holidays. It's great. That's fun. Sledgehammer 44, number two. The, all too soon, this is over. This is a two-parter. Is this not, just not me? Not only or? just over, yeah. but, but over in a different sense as well, I felt. It, it, it went really quick. We had an idea, and then I was like, oh, there's Broom. It's Hellboy. I thought, oh. I thought we were going to get just another thing, which I was fine with for a little bit. Well, I thought it was a Hellboy story. We didn't know that. It didn't say so. Well, it's, I mean, oh, because it's Mignola, like it's, I know, you but, know. But we, uh, Baltimore isn't necessarily, and it looks and feels just like that. I thought maybe he's going to That's true, out. yeah. Um, is Baltimore yeah. in the same world as Hellboy? No. I don't, sure? no, I don't think so. So, th- so this is, but this is, uh, what I, you know, in the first issue, I mean, it's all about Jason Latour, John, really, really cool, you know, World War II stuff and great tanks and action and super dynamic. But then there was also this great mystery at the core of it that there's this big, sort of like atomic robo kind of dude, to, to be honest. It's, it's the atomic robo idea. Mm. But is he a robot or is he a guy in a suit? Is it mystical? What's going on? We find out what it is in this issue, but I like that even though we get some answers, there's still a lot of mystery about it. And it ends on a really kind of downbeat, somber kind of note in that uh, it becomes – there's a guy – okay, to, to spoil it, there's one of the guys who was in, in this platoon, in this group that dies and he has to make the choice whether he's going to, I guess, go to the afterworld or whatever, afterlife and – or – become the new spirit inside the Sledgehammer 44 suit powered by Vril technology, which is like, you know, the spark of life. Um, and they talk about Hyperborea and monks and stuff and like the original angels that lived and populated the earth. And he decides in order to save his friends, he's going to doom himself to being the new spirit running this big robot suit. And instead of being really triumphant, you don't even see the final battle. You see the aftermath of it, which I liked a lot. And you get this this downbeat note where he says, you know, I'm I'm this guy, but no, I'm not. I'm I'm nobody anymore. I don't have that name of the of the person that that he once was. So uh, I hope we see more of this. I like this a lot. Yeah, no, I, I liked it. I, I liked how sort of sparse it was, and and like I kind of was waiting for the part of this issue where he comes charging out and destroys all the Nazis, but that really wasn't what it was about, and that was fine. Well, you see the potential future that what if the Nazis did take hold of this technology and they show you yeah. th- the world being destroyed at the hands of you know Nazi-produced Sledgehammer 44 suits. But he makes the decision to become this thing so that doesn't happen. And then you don't need to see the big fight because that was in the first issue. Sure, yeah. Really. Although, you know, they want to draw. Yeah, I mean, it w- of course it would be fun to also, see. Also, it's but. the Sledgehammer 14 fives and... I believe is how the native German goes. <laughs> those, those are the books that came out this week that we wanted to talk about. There that wasn't was a great, the joke. Real it was German. a great week of books. Uh, we really enjoyed. So you can go to fanboy.com slash comics every week. Make your pull and see what's coming out. After you read them, you can rate and review them. You can also make your own picks of the week choices. We like to run down the top five picks of the week as chosen by the audience. This week, number five, Batman and Robin 19, the aforementioned crazy issue. They get an 8.1% in which Batman tries to resurrect Robin like Frankenstein. With Frankenstein, uh, there in the room. With Frankenstein, uh, yes. Number four, Batman 19, 9.0%. Of course, these numbers are all the time of recording. 
And since we're recording a little bit earlier than usual, it might, these might change drastically by the time you see them. Number three, Hawkeye. Number nine, 11.2%. Number two, Thor, God of Thunder, 7, 13.4%. And number one, Saga 12 with 49.9% of the votes. Good week of books. Good week of books. In addition to making your pull list and making your picks of the week, you can also write some user reviews. We like to read a couple of those and those in the show. First one is up from uh, Casey Justice of Star Wars number four. Give the story a three out of five and the art a three out of five. Pick of the week percentage at this time is one tenth of a percentage point. And he says, the art and the action, the art and the action don't miss, nor the character work on Luke Sis. But the book's pace is slowing and I know where it's going. I've got a fad feeling about this. Nipsey Russell. Eisner. That's what <laughs> it's, you get. It's a good one. Yep. He's, I he's right. agree with this. <laughs> it's, that's, I mean, that's why I didn't just say Eisner because he came on and did something clever. It was because when I finished, I go, boy, he's exactly right. Uh, yeah. So what the Limerick said. Shall we move on to our next review? Yeah, I don't think we have uh, to add anything to the Limerick. <laughs> Jose Rivera, 83, said of Superboy number 19, uh, story four out of five, art four out of five. Pow, nope. Answers to the question of where the new 52 Superboy came from finally get answered with this issue. While not the answer I was expecting, it was certainly a surprise. Nonetheless, it harkens back to the early issues of this book and sets up one hell of an enemy for Superboy to face in the coming months. The book is finally getting back on track, and I personally can't wait to see where this is going. Do any of us know what he's talking about? I know on the cover it suggested <laughs> that it was Lois and Clark are the parents of Superboy. I don't know if that's true because I'm not reading this. Well, there you go. You can go to fanboy.com slash comics and you can write your own user review and get it on the show by making it good. And That was a fantastic segment. We added and nothing. <laughs> we don't even have to. Sometimes we let the people speak. I it's okay to let the people point. speak, Josh. I learned about that. Yeah, it's a good crunch. We're going to let the people speak again after you tell them about Amazon. Yo, go to ifanboy.com slash Amazon and when you buy things like that, then it will help us. Like what? Anything, dude. What I'm saying is if you click through to Amazon from our website, one of them banner ads on the side or whatever, click through that way, anything you buy doesn't cost you anything different. You still get here we go. You still get the great the same great prices and service that you've come accustomed to over the years from such a reliable servicer as Amazon. But right. we also get we get a piece of that. It's the it's like the, it's it's exactly like the mafia. We wet our beaks. We wet our beaks a little. We just need a little taste. <laughs> so if you're buying all your stuff from Amazon, like we know you are, or at least one or two of you are buying a lot, awful lot of stuff. Uh, Buy one of every George Foreman grill. Are there more? Are they, is that still a thing? Yeah. One of each kind, and I will send you a copy of American Virgin Volume 1 Head. <laughs> we don't even... We'll all sign it. <laughs> I think I gave that away at some point. Or I tried to. That's more likely. Oh, uh, so anyway, so ifanboy.com slash Amazon or just, you know, look look around the site. You'll see the little the Amazon thing banners pop up. You click on one of those. You bookmark that as your Amazon bookmark, and it's all good. You don't have to think about it. Uh, well, ugh, this, <laughs> sorry, I was thinking about the Foreman grills, and I got hungry. and You can't get a char on those things. No, you can't. It's not necessarily a good way to cook meat. No. Uh, but I still Do you thought want people about the to buy them or not? <laughs> I do. It's a great product, and you should use it. On stuff. to the audience segment, the audience question segment, and Brad has a related question. Brad says, you guys usually talk about how Connor buys everything he can from Amazon. When he does this, does he buy stuff through the iFanboy link? If he does, is Connor the biggest supporter of iFanboy in regards to money? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> He's the biggest. I don't know what I can say. 
I do. I, of course, I use of course the iFanboy. Yeah, no, we all do. I, we all use the iFanboy link. This isn't just for you guys. We all contribute equally. It's like a discount I never see. That being said, I hope I am not the biggest supporter. In fact, I know I'm not. So no. There you go. My UPS guy might think I am if you asked him. But uh, that's my favorite thing that ever happened. It's the UPS guy one just one day just going, "What is it you do?" <laughs> and I told him, I was like. I work on a comic book website, and he just—he didn't say anything. He just looked so disappointed in that answer, like my mother. <laughs> he just—he just knew you wouldn't be friends. Yeah, no, he did. He did. You would never talk again about the Patriots. Nope. <laughs> David email. W. writes. At least you talk to your guy about about the Yankees. Oh, in New York, in yes. Yeah. Now it's a whole other issue. Yeah, LAUPS not so great. David W. writes. If there was a Justice League Canada, who would be on the team? I'm thinking Green Arrow would head things up and Crimson Fox would be on it. But after that, there isn't any easy choices as DC really doesn't have Canadian heroes. Why does DC hate Canada so? He's not wrong. I don't, I don't even have, I have no answers. I looked this up uh, and on the DC Wikipedia, they have a Canadian heroes page and it is sparse. a little sparse. A little sparse. <laughs> First got? of all, Green, Green Arrow is not Canadian. I don't know why he'd be leading the team. Was one of them? Jeff uh, Lemire writes Green um, Arrow. So. Michael John Carter, who is, was he uh, Mr. Terrific? He is Canadian. But that's about the it. After that, you're not, you're not going to get, I'm looking it up the, here. The original Mr. Terrific? Oh, sorry, no. Michael John Carter is Booster Gold. Apparently he's Canadian. They still have Canada then? <laughs> we haven't annexed it by then? <laughs> annexed it for its sweet, sweet maple syrup? Tar Sands. And it's Tar Sands? Otherwise, you got Flying Fox, you've got Freight train, you've got frostbite, you've got lumberjack who has an awesome beard. Uh, you've got some guy named Trigger with a giant cowboy hat. Basically, you've got the worst superhero team ever. It's funny because then, by comparison, Marvel Marvel seems very pro Canada. Well, they've got Alpha Flight and Wolverine. Tons of characters you can start naming who are Canadian. Bill Shatner, not a Marvel <laughs> character per se, but you get where I'm going with it. He's a character. Trigger is actually an Amalgam Universe character. I don't even know who he is a mix of, but. You're right. Strangely, DC doesn't have any super, any real other booster goals. Can't really be Canadian, can he? Look, you getting all proprietary. It's not what? Canada as we know it. I'm not proprietary. I'm just I just never heard that about his character before. Well, they have a lot of they have a lot of Canadian. Wait a uh, minute. This says this says he was born in Gotham City. Who's running which is this part of Canada? Yeah, you didn't time. know that. Batman <laughs> is Canadian. I am the terror in the night, eh? <laughs> How could he be Canadian and born in Gotham City? That doesn't make any sense, ba- DC Wikipedia. Jerks. The film Strange Brew. Take off. Strange Brew is a Take fantastic Take off, you film. hoser, Joker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was the whole first 10 years of that book. His belt's just full of beer. Molson. He's got Molson in his belt. Yeah. yeah or, originally, the Justice Society was a hockey book. Wow. This is all sad news for Canadian fans of DC Comics. So, so DC hates Canada. Let's do the next letter. <laughs> sad day for DC fans from Canada. I'll do, I'll do, I'll do it. I'm all right, go ahead. Tiago from Porto, Portugal. I don't even, I don't, I don't even want to know if there are any Portu, Portu, Portuguese uh, heroes. Oh. Probably not. I almost said Portugalian. I was like, that's definitely not right. No. <laughs> down, down old South America way. I have a question concerning the chronology of the Marvel Universe. Captain America's Man Out of Time miniseries shows the return of Captain after being defrosted by the Avengers as something that happened in the aughts. 
when in fact it took place in the 60s. Is this some kind of revisionist editorial guide? I would like to point out that I was perfectly comfortable with the fact that the Secret Invasion Kree Scroll War was mentioned as something that happened seven years ago. Following this line of reasoning and after a few more decades of continuity, it's a fact the timeline will be so compressed that World War II will take place in one week. But after the, but for the sake of logic, at least it'll still make sense. I know that man out of time approach is being taken into other storylines from from like Punisher and Iron Man. Who knows if they lived through Nam or the Iraq War? Is there some way of making sense of all this? Hold on, I got this one, guys. No, <laughs> stop trying to do that. Yeah, it'll never make sense. And, and there is a sliding timeline in, in comics in that the, these events are constantly sliding forward. So obviously, Captain America didn't come back in the '60s. That would make him very, very old. And I think that they've redone Iron Man and Punisher to have happen in the Iraq War as opposed to Nam, because obviously that would make them very, very, very old. So they're constantly right. moving the timeline forward. They have to. And it does, it's not going to make sense, and you have to be cool with the elasticity of that. I don't, I don't blame you for trying because I tried to do it recently with all new X-Men, bringing the X-Men from the past. But is it from the 60s? Is it from the 80s? What's going on with the fashions? It's, it's funny and, because if you think about it, originally, Captain America was only frozen in ice for like 15 years or 20, 20 years. years. So it's not as jarring as being frozen in the 40s and waking up in the you know 21st century listen when you get frozen in ice and you spend spend a weekend frozen in ice and then you come back and tell us it's not i did i went to college in ithaca his inbox must be a mess yeah so it's 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 tough you can't on the one hand you can't make sense of it on the other hand the sense is that the timeline constantly gets pushed forward because it has to and it's all fictional anyway so that's totally fine yeah, so there you go. It is tough. That's the only way to make sense of it, Tiago. Wouldn't so thank you, you spend, for if you're, you're S.H.I.E.L.D. or whatever, wouldn't you expend a little bit more money looking for Captain America? You know, like when he goes down in the plane, wouldn't you go after him a little bit? It's a big ocean. It is. It's a big ocean. You know? They found the cube. Are we talking about the movies? I'm confused. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Thank you for writing in. You can write in at contact at ifanboy.com. You can also call our voice by line at 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697. When you do that, tell us your name and where you're from and keep your message to around 30 seconds so we can put it in the show without much hassle. Well, there you go. In the meantime, we have other shows. Yeah, this is Make Comics Podcast. It was supposed to be out last week, but it wasn't, so I got one for this week. It's about covers. It's me and Andy Schmidt from Comics Experience. We're talking about it. It's a good show. It's about Canadian covers? No, just regular covers. It applies It applies to all nationalities equally. What are different about Canadian covers that make them not regular? They're federally funded. Oh, you can, nice. You can, the guy working on it doesn't have to worry if he gets sick. The sound I hear right now is all the Canadian listeners leaving. Why? I thought that was very, I thought I was speaking very highly of them. They have no, to check their fur traps. Just until they do it. <laughs> <laughs> They're leaving anyway. They want half of them want to secede. <laughs> we didn't have that to be with you. <laughs> we also we also do a book explode show. Um, we're gonna do another one. I guess it'll be out next week, and it's about the sequel to The Dark Knight Returns. Did you record that yet? You're gonna. Who's gonna be on it? Tell the people. Josh and Jeff and me. Cool. Jeff Johns. It's gonna be awkward no. when you talk about it. <laughs> Jeff Lemire. It's going to be awkward if I don't read Jeff it. Jeff Lemire, it'll be an all-Canadian show. Oh, God, that's going to be weird. <laughs> we were going to maybe do a G.I. Joe show. Clearly, we didn't. I didn't even see it, honestly. I was going to see it. And I didn't see went. any reason to go see it. I was going to. I literally got in the car, and I drove about five miles 
sat on the 405 for 30 minutes, realized I was never going to make the showing, got off of the next exit, went home and had a drink. They have movie theaters on the west side, you know. What happened was I went to see <laughs> The Breakfast Club at that particular theater and this projector screwed No, there was a fire alarm. The projector screwed up on The Hobbit. There was a fire alarm and I saw I got a free pass at that theater in the will call box. So I had to go to that theater to get the free pass. What happened so, was my friend was a fisherman, but he <laughs> caught too much fish. <laughs> I I liked the idea that you were driving to the movie theater and just went, no. And you stopped <laughs> and turned around. I did that yesterday about a cupcake. I got off the, Ven- the Venice exit. And, uh, then you stopped the car. You got out of the car and walked home. <laughs> it was going to be free, which is why I was driving to Sherman fucking Oaks from where I live by the beach, uh, which for all you L.A. fans know is uh, not fun. <laughs> that's, that's like driving to Canada for me. <laughs> exactly. Literally. So- I was on the way to see it, didn't see it, didn't get a chance to. And then once I realized we weren't going to do a show on it, I didn't make a point of seeing it. But I do want to see it. It looks pretty good in terms of what it is. Anyway. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to earmark that we're not submitting this episode of the podcast to the Potty Awards or whatever. No. no. <laughs> well, Why not? The, the Canadians, they control the Potty Awards. God, and we never get a fair shake. You know about the nine Canadian bankers, right? <laughs> Just trying to think if I know any Canadians that I need to call after this. <laughs> I don't know. I know several. <laughs> don't listen to that show. They're masked on the weird. border. Josh, weird. you have the next part of the script. I don't want to go to it yet. I'm having too much fun. Go to ifanboy.com which, or ifanboy.ca. I don't know if that works. <laughs> I have no idea. It doesn't. We definitely don't have that. Uh, for the pick of the week review that Connor wrote and more comic book stuff that goes up there. Uh, I even got. To, I even found time to put an opinion piece this week. You, How do you jerk. like that, Quebec? Eh? <laughs> <laughs> All sorts of other stuff that's going on there. Um, we did this a long uh, reportage piece about the tar sands and the effect on the economy in Edmonton. I did not like your piece. <laughs> that just sounds like a French, bad Frenchman. Well, that's French Canadians. No, they have a different accent. Quebec. No, they have a Quebec Quebecois accent. Well, the person I was doing emigrated from France to Quebec because there was jobs. Whatever. Does he have a fur hat on? Of course. He's a Canadian. Good to go. <laughs> he got it from his More discussion topics and news. ifanboy.com slash about to see the staff of ifanboy and their social network links. Follow us on twitter.com slash ifanboy and stay in touch on facebook.com slash ifanboy. See, the thing is, last week I used a song on the show from a Canadian band and a bunch of Canadian people were like, hey, it's great to hear that on there. And oh, they've no. just blown it right out of the water this week. It's our bait and switch. That's how we do it. You can email us at contact at ifanboy.com, which I believe has a U in it for Canadian fans. Contact? What is what's happening? You can call our voicemail Star line. Star Trek versus contact. <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. It no, makes none. 888-FANBOYS-326-2697. Uh, any questions, comments, concerns, discussion topics, eh? The Lamborghini Countach. If you if you dig this, write us a review in iTunes or iTunes Canada, I guess, or better yet, tell your friends about it. Um, introduce your mom to podcasts. When you're hanging around the fur trap or the fishing hole that you've cut into the lake, or slapping around a hockey puck, go up on the roof 
You've and tapped spread it out. the fanboy word for the sweet sweet syrup. If you the way that you download a podcast in uh, off iTunes in Canada is you hit the link and then in eight weeks you get a cassette. Oh God! <laughs> you know this is a throwback to our first year of the show when we used to make fun of Canadians in the in the Frapper Map segment. Did we? Yes. Do you remember that? And uh, they didn't take too kindly to that. They still they? use Frapper Maps in Canada. <laughs> 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 They just got it two years ago. <laughs> they were listening to those shows going, what the hell are they talking about? <laughs> we, haven't, we haven't completely spiraled out of control in a long time. And, uh, We're talking about G.I. Joe. It's great. <laughs> I, for one, apologize to no one. <laughs> so... That's this week's show and possibly for the show in general, depending on what those nine Canadian bankers tell us. They're super powerful. (laughs) Until then, I'm Connor. I'm Paul. Au revoir. (laughs) Mes amis. Wow.